You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. I'm sure I was the last person you're expecting to see pop up on your podcast feed uh, after almost a year hiatus. One day I'll fill you in on all the details of what's been going on over the last 12 months. Um, but for now, I wanted to bring you some special episodes. These are not official Hoopsfix podcast episodes. They're little, consider them little bonus episodes. Of course, uh, COVID-19 coronavirus is kind of taking over the world at the moment. I'm on lockdown here in East London. Um, but a lot of people have seen it as an opportunity to produce their own shows and do some innovative things online. Uh, two of British basketball's finest, Luau Deng and Pops Mensa Bonsu, have been doing exactly that, producing a weekly show on Instagram Live called Deng Pops Chat, hashtag Deng Pops Chat, and they have been chronicling chronicling their careers. And I've got to be honest, uh, this is some of the best uh, British basketball-related content that I have listened to or enjoyed uh, in recent years. There's been so many nuggets, um, and also it's really humanised those two guys to me. Um, it's been beautiful to to watch and enjoy. Uh, so much so that I actually reached out to them and asked whether or not we could get permission to. Um, record the content and, and put it out on our own audio feeds as well as as well as recording the video and put it on YouTube where you can find it on our channels um, and they gave us the green light so uh, this is episode one straight out of London um, where they talk about the early stages of their career growing up uh, both in Brixton and Tottenham um, yeah first picking up a basketball their early experiences with both obviously the legendary Jimmy Rogers um, and the legendary Joe White rest in peace to both of those guys um, but yeah it's so 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 interesting um, that I think more people need to listen to it and hopefully uh, a lot more younger people need to listen to it because you know these are two people that have done everything that you can do really uh, coming from the UK um, and need to be held in higher regard and their stories need to be told so so yeah as always um, if you do support the work that we're doing you want to support the work that we're doing um, check out our Patreon account patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix that's patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash h-o-o-p-s-f-i-x where there you can sign up to uh, support us with a monthly donation of as much or as little as you'd like to help us continue doing the work that we're doing to help grow British basketball anyway that is enough for me uh, here is over to Luau and Pops for episode one just bear in mind it's Instagram live so uh, it's recorded in that way there are references to people making comments uh, signing onto the chat signing out of the chat so they might be a little bit more harder to understand when it's audio only but the vast majority of it is uh, easily comprehensible um, and you won't lose any of the nuggets so yeah here is episode one of hashtag ding Pops chat uh, straight out of London Waiting for Pops to get online. Pops, where you at, my guy? Right here, fam. Yo, bro, you know, you know it's my first time figuring this out. Yo, yeah, I can see. I can see. What's good, man? What's good? What's up, man? Nothing much, man. Just playing, just playing the crib. Just playing the house, man. You know, interesting times these days, man. So just trying to figure things out over here, man. How about yourself? Hey, listen, man. This is... Uh... It's my first time ever doing live, so bear with me. <laughs> well, I like, you know, a millennial in this thing, either. Listen, it sounds crazy, but I, I don't know how to work this thing, but I'm gonna, I wanna get along with it. That's why I let you do it first, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a novice myself. All right, cool, cool. Well, no, like, um, you know, like you said, we gotta let everyone know, um, obviously, why we're here. Mm -hmm. um, why we want to do this, why we decided that it's the right time to kind of, you know, tell our story. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think it's, um, especially in this day and age with everything that's going on to, with us being limited to, to pretty much the whole world being limited to their homes. It was, uh, it was good that we, we come together and at least tell our own stories for the longest athletes and, you know, guys on this side of the game don't ever get the chance or opportunity to uh, to tell their truths and tell their own stories. So, you know, I think it's good that we give give the people what they want and tell them, uh, tell them about, you know, our upbringing and our paths and getting to the NBA and, you know, life after basketball, Africa and stuff like that. So I definitely feel like this is, um, this is long overdue, fam. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, the, the unique thing about it is, you know, our, our path, uh, it's kind of unique because, you know, you're talking about, you know, being from Africa and growing up in the UK, 
um, you know, what we had to go through in terms of what basketball means to that, you know, uh, to, to kids in the UK, but also people that are involved within the basketball community, mm -hmm. uh, the struggles that come with it, but also, you know, working your way to come to the US and trying to make a name for yourself to get a scholarship. Um, and, and, and obviously the process that we took involves, you know, we touch up on a lot of people and what they're going through, whether it's people in Africa, people in the UK, people in the US, what we're doing now with our careers and what we're trying mm -hmm. to bring back to, to, to obviously Africa, to the UK. So this is why I think it's important that we kind of tell our story, um, how we came up, but also along the way, the good and the bad and, you know, what shaped you and everything. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because if you think about it, for the longest, people only ever see the finished product. They only see what, um, you know, they only see us on the court. They don't really get to see the work that you put in and the, the long hours and the struggles that you have to go through to get to that point. And I think um, it's a generational thing. It's, there's a difference between uh, us trying to make it and, you know, players of today trying to get there too. I think it's a, it's a mindset thing. I think, um, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but for us, it was like no choice. We didn't have any choice but to make it. And it was like uh, our backs were against the wall. And we felt like we, um, if we didn't make it, we didn't know who would. Who would. So, we, again, taking up on ourselves to try to get to that point is, is, is big. But, you know, I see more and more people are signing on. So, you know, we'll give it a few minutes before we really get into it. I see no, Jacob's no. on there. He's taking a break from taking doing push-ups. So, <laughs> so, we know he, he's on. Who else have we got here? I t listen, I told you I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm starting uh, to to figure this out. So bear with me. All right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can while we're waiting, you can just say what's up. Who, who's that? Who's that? Hope no. There goes J Rob, another South Londoner. I don't respond to men from South London like that. You know that. So listen, so no shout outs from South listen, London. Listen, we're not gonna go there because we already know where you're from. You know, we're, we're not. You gonna, wanna know where I'm from? We're not you gonna know start. Where I'm from. Listen, oh, you wanna know where I'm from? On. Do you wanna know where I'm from? Listen, that's do the worst thing. Listen, from? it's the worst thing you can do in this in this live thing. Being a Tottenham fan is the worst thing you could do. Nah, man, born and bred, bro. This is me. This is where I'm from. Tottenham Hyrule. No, I understand huh? that, but isn't a, there's, there isn't a lot to celebrate there. Except it may, maybe finishing fifth one time. Uh, uh, so what's, what's Arsenal doing these days, bro? Are you guys still playing football over there? Oh, uh, we want to talk about these days. These days. I mean, nobody's I mean, doing, just, nah, nobody's doing anything right now. I mean, we want to talk about the whole thing. You're not just going to mention somebody when they're 30. You want to talk about them from day one till they're 30, yeah? Right, but I'm this is what it is. Where you, where you from in London? How about that one? Let's start with that one. I'm from South London. Okay. Where is Arsenal? Worldwide. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. You know, Arsenal got fans all over, man. That's you know, that's Africa's team too. So, nah, don't even so, go so this there. is me. So when people ask me why am I a Tottenham fan, I explain to them that I was born and raised on Tottenham High Road. Yeah, but I tell you exactly why. Listen, I'm an Arsenal fan for many reasons, right? Not okay. only is Arsenal known for having so many African players, but Ian Wright is from South. I don't know about so many. No, no, let me just. Tell I don't know you about so many. Started. Let's not get crazy, bro. What I don't mean? know about so many. What do you mean? What's so many? You said so many African players. What's bro, so many? Arsenal has so many players, man. So many African players. Even there's if a couple. You know, it's only been Mozilla. one team. No, it's I nobody only, wants it's to hear only that. ever been one team undefeated, and there was a lot of Africans in that team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but anyway, listen. A lot of people are logging on. Right, right, so, right. Let's let's since we're talking about it, let's let's talk about where you're from in London. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, because a lot of people understand, you know, when you're from London, you you know, we go back and forth, uh, not just the right. football teams, but South London, North London, East London, all that stuff. So you know, a lot of people don't really know where in London you're from, because you know, when we're in the U.S., we just say, you know, I grew up in London. That's it. Right, right. You know? So you know. For me personally, and it's funny because people don't often don't think I have an accent, but um, Africa doesn't love Arsenal, by the way. I don't know who just wrote that, but we don't do that. Africa doesn't love Arsenal. Someone just put Tottenham. Yeah, in, exactly. in the wrong, in the wrong end, it? Someone said Ian Wright from South, London, South Sudan. <laughs> Listen, we take Ian Wright any day. Um, <laughs> we take right. any day. So, so um, yeah, so for me, 
you know, being from Tottenham, born and bred my whole life, uh, you know, I grew up on Tottenham High Road, went to primary school in Tottenham, secondary school, and was was playing football and, and running track when I was growing up. And it was um, interesting because all my friends were not only African or, or Caribbean, but they all played sports too. And, you know, one thing that sports did for me at a young age was um, – because I grew up with so many siblings, I was, I'm extrovert. So I get all my energy from other people. And I felt like as soon as I started playing team sports, that's when I realized, yo, I love being around people. I love inspiring people. I love just accomplishing something with the team. And that's when my love of, you know, team sports kind of started. But, you know, when I ran track, I was by myself. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. But when, uh, when I, when I, when I ran track, I was kind of by myself and, um, but, you know, football for me at a young age was, and I know you say you're so, you're so good that you probably could have played pro. That's a whole nother conversation, though. I don't I was, know. Listen, the, I wasn't just good. I was nice, man. What does that mean, though? There's no was, there's, Like, we know about me and track. We hear you. You know what? I listen, you when you go, listen go to South London and ask about Michael Denny, man. Everyone will tell you about Michael. Hey, hey you gotta listen. tell the story. Hey, Lou, 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 that's like, listen, it's, I'm telling you. I, I'm not guessing you up. I'm telling you. But I was you have to give before. the backstory to Michael Deng, fam. You have to give the backstory to Michael Deng. They don't know. Like, okay, so for me, I'm growing up. I'm, uh, and we'll get into how I was introduced to the game and everything. But for me, growing up, I started playing basketball. And my coach, um, <laughs> my coach, Joe White, um, you know, he's the type of coach who you would, bend over backwards to get his approval like for me my whole career has gone by i never looked for too many people's approval but he had that the the way he inspired and empowered people you always wanted his approval and you know what he used to do like i'm 83 and you're a couple years behind me he would always be like no there's a kid in south london called michael Deng, and he's better than all of you he said he's better than all of you yeah you know, Joe, like, yeah. you, know, what, huh? you know, till today, uh, Joe was the first guy to tell me you're going to be a pro. Uh, yeah, and this it. was, yeah, this was before, this was in high school, my school, St. Mary's uh, in Croydon. We were playing against uh, Joe White's school. He was uh, coaching uh, some school up north. Humming, humming, house. Yeah, yeah. And we played him. And I remember we Wait, beat can you him. see my Tottenham shirt? I just make sure you can see my Tottenham shirt. It's making the whole thing messed up. I mean, I should have got the... I really should have got the memo because I'm sure all my Arsenal fans are mad at me right the now. The memo? If you're a fan, you're a fan. Nobody had to tell me anything. They just had to be like, look, we're going on live. And I was like, I'm letting the people Bruh, know. we're going on live as a team. You got to let me know. This is how you up, you know, one-up somebody. You got to let me know, like, yo, by the see, way. See, see, Like, see. yo, by the way, like, I'm going <laughs> to... Like, no, I'm gonna wear my top. You decided to wear your shirt, and I decided to wear my shirt. Cause no, I, I wore Thomas Sankara because I, you know, it's just it was random, it wasn't planned Respect. or nothing. Respect. But I was worried about you wearing the suit, to be honest with you. I was just worried that you know it's not a business meeting, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was, no, nah, I'm a suit now, yeah, I'm a suit, but I've been locked in the house for what two, three weeks now. I don't even remember the last time I put something. Um, you guys are lucky I have trousers and pants on right now, to be honest. Damn. No, no, no. <laughs> this is 3, this 3 p.m., bro. But <laughs> now, but, uh, you know, talking, talking about just, you know, growing up. So, Michael Deng, let me tell you the story. So, uh, basically, for those that don't know, um, I was Michael Deng till I was 14, maybe even 15. Uh, no, until we got to the U.S., bro. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I left. I came to the U.S. when I was 14. But I, my first year, my freshman year in high school, I was still Michael Deng. Uh, but let me tell you guys how it started. So, obviously, growing up, uh, being from South Sudan with, you know, the unrest and the civil war and everything, we fled. When I was a young kid, we fled to Egypt. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm fluent in Arabic. I grew up in Egypt. Oh, to cut him out of beat. To cut him out of beat. Oh, okay. Okay. I was cut him out of beat. I know I spoke a little Arabic too now, huh? <laughs> Listen, we're not going to tell the story about that part. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so anyway. Uh, so, yeah, at the age of 10, 
we moved to uh, to England uh, from from Egypt. But people, a lot of people don't know this. We moved to Wimbledon first. We used to live in Wimbledon. Uh, we lived there for almost a year. Um, when we were in, when we got to Wimbledon, um, I always felt you know we went to school in Wimbledon, and I was telling people you know Luol, you know Luol, Luol, and I was young obviously, and I had to keep correcting people. So I had this thing in my mind, like, yo, why can't people say my name? And it bothered me. You know, it kept bothering me. So, and I will talk about it later on as part of my motivation. But it kept bothering me. How, why you not know my name? Why can't you say it? You know, uh, so we moved. We moved from Wimbledon and we went to South, uh, South Norwood, Croydon. And we went to a Catholic school, St. Mary's. Well, we went to school. The first thing they asked me was, what's your Catholic name? You know, and I remember we used to go to Sunday school. We used to go to church, and when I was baptized, I was, you know, named Michael, Sam Michael, right? So I went with it. So the first day I said, Michael, you know, I barely spoke English. So I said, yeah, Michael. So next thing you know is, yo, Michael Deng, Michael Deng. So I was like, yo, everyone is saying my name with ease. So I, you know, so I went with it. So I went with Michael. But it wasn't just Michael. It was always Michael Deng, Michael Deng. Right. You know, that's a lot of Michael, so it's Michael Deng. So when I went to the school in the U.S., I went to school, and believe it or not, this is a true story, and I always tell my friend Richie Yu, the name Deng is very popular in China. So when I... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very popular in China, the name Deng. So when, when they sent my school report uh, to, to my high school, they put uh, Michael Deng. So all the Asian kids in school thought that it was a kid coming from China, right? So when I showed up uh, in a common room, they had a party waiting for me, and I went by Michael Deng. So I just rolled with it. So I just, the school report was Michael Deng. So I went with Michael Deng. So halfway throughout the year, I went to my high school coach, Joe Mantegna, and I said, Coach, you know my name is not Michael. <laughs> <laughs> South and London that, movements, boy. That's how they move in South London, you know. <laughs> nah, I said, nah, man. I said, my name is not Michael. He said, this is halfway throughout through the year. So he's like, so what's your name? I said, my name is Luol. He said, like, what? <laughs> and then from there on, uh, my coach made it, you know, uh, a goal to let everyone know that my name was Luol. So we had a school meeting in front of the whole school. My coach went up and he said, you know, Michael is actually Luol. So from now on, we're going to call him Luol. Yeah, but that's that's my story with... Uh, that's, that's, that's funny. That's funny because um, that leads to the next point I was, I was going to make. Like, growing up African... In, in in those times it was uh it was it was a task bro because you know you grow up in a stage where everybody wants to be um where everybody wants to fit in and everybody wants to be the same and uh you know f similar to you people just used to call me my first name is nana mm -hmm. or nana that's how yeah. they say it, nana. Yeah. and from the day i was born my parents never said my first name so my middle name is Papa, but it's, I only have that only because I was named after my dad. Mm -hmm. But I, I have his middle name as my first name. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's backwards, but I was named after my dad, so they call me Papa. So my mom and dad always call me Pops. But yeah. what's funny was all throughout primary school and secondary school, I nobody ever called me Pops. Nobody called me by my name at home. So I had these two separate um, at home and then at school. Yeah. And because I'm always trying to fit in, and I was the big, skinny, goofy, and you know I had a jerry curl when I was young. <laughs> Yo, I asked you to post some pictures when you were young. No, nah, there's like, only I, two pictures. There's how do you ask someone pictures. to post pictures when you're young and, and their answer is, all my pictures I'm dunking on somebody? No, I didn't. We had to post. You said we, a picture of me playing basketball. I don't have a picture of me playing basketball. Bro, I said pictures just from the ends. I said, look, I'm going to put a picture like, Brixton. We well, said playing you know, though. It we said, said Brixton, playing. so give me a picture like North London. And this guy goes, um, bro, all my pictures when I was growing up, I was dunking on somebody. <laughs> so they only took the pictures. So they only took pictures when you dunked on somebody, or was every move a dunk? Every like you walked in the court just dunking the whole time. Like, come on, <laughs> all the pictures that the people want to see are me dunking on people. All the rest I of see, them, you, I, uh, I see. I see people commenting Jerry Curl, bro. We gotta nah, see nah, a picture. Yo, you guys we relax. Gotta, I we gotta you see about the Jerry Curl part already. Let's not get crazy, okay? Like, nah, but the Jerry Curl. There's only two pictures that exist. Uh, there's only two pictures that exist of me having a Jerry Curl, and so I say all that to say is 
you grow up, I was taller than everybody else. I was dark, I was skinny, I had a curl, and I was the African kid, and I tried so hard to fit in. All I wanted to do was fit in. And my middle name is 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 Drene, but it's spelled D-W-E-N-E. How many middle names do you have, bro? bro there's, there's, there's a good amount. I don't think those are... Uh... I don't think we call them middle names. I think they just they're just names, right? They just names. <laughs> I think a middle name gotta be in the middle, no? Yeah. <laughs> so what's your name um, all over the place? But now nah, go ahead. Yeah, no, nah, um so well, my full name is Nana Papayao Drine Mensa Bonsu. Mm. So that's where all all my name derives from. Um so yeah, uh, I had that. So I used to just go around telling people my name was Dwayne. 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 What? So I could be cool. <laughs> Wait, so I could be cool with fit. And like, you have to understand, I was, you have to understand, some of the names that I was called, you know what? Wait, wait, why Dwayne? Why Dwayne? Because Dwayne, and it looked like it was spelled Dwayne. <laughs> Bro, come on. So yeah. <laughs> it looked like, it looked like, uh, it looked like, um, it looked like Dwayne. So it was like, how do you say that? I was like, oh, it's Dwayne. It's just how we spell it in Ghana. How many Ghanaians do you know call Dwayne? Bro, but what? <laughs> who was calling you Dwayne in school? No, they didn't. So I would just tell them that was my middle name so I could just be cool and be one of the kids. Because my name was Nana. And they was like, what kind of name is that, bro? Like, they was calling me Nana, Nana, the Black Banana. Um, <laughs> Yo. Yeah, man. That's, and these are my friends. These are my friends. <laughs> bro, These are my friends, bro. I never heard of Dwayne, man. Yeah, imagine, know, imagine, imagine the people who didn't like me. These are my friends making fun of me. And I imagine the people who didn't like me. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. so I, so I was just trying my best to fit in and, and, and be like, yeah, my middle name is Dwayne. I just go by my first name, though, because that's just what the girl didn't call me, you know? So, <laughs> so, so, so the, the girl. So from now on, like we gotta find some people who know who knew Dwayne. I'm sure somebody's gonna log on and be like, "Yo, I've been telling people his name was Dwayne." Yeah, <laughs> but him. so, 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 so to your Michael story, to your Michael story, I remember coming over, and so you went to Blair, and I went to Hunt, and we'll get to to going in depth about that another time, but. I remember just getting to the U.S. for the first time, and they was like, you're about to play against Blair. I was like, oh, my boy plays for Blair. And they was like, he was like, who is it? I was like, it's Michael, uh, Michael Dame. They was like, oh, his name's not Michael. His name is Luar. I was like, what are you talking about? I know, man. The man's from, man's from London. His name is, is Michael. And they showed me, and it was like, nah, it says Luau. And I was like, and I'm, and I'm walking up to you. I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> Who's the brother that you're talking about? <laughs> Who's this yeah. Luar brother? Listen, I'm holding, I'm holding back so many stories of high school and how you just destroyed what, you know, I, I'm not even going to go there yet. I'm going to wait till we what get to that episode. I, I'm, I'm talking about the okay, track and yeah, field. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Those, that time will come. Yeah, that's, 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 but, yeah, that's, but, that's, you know, that's, going that's back, another thing, bro. Going back, going back to, you know, growing up um, in London, obviously South and North, yeah. You know, I want to talk a little bit about back in the days, what made the competition so tough. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I always say we came in a time in an era where, you know, people might disagree or whatever, but that was basketball at its highest level in the UK. Uh, yeah. And we were lucky that we were young at that age because all those guys before us took it so serious. The competition was so tough that as a young kid, you had no choice but to try to be good. And, and the crazy thing is I try to tell people, I've always wanted to be in the NBA, but before that, it was almost I wanted to make Brixton proud. Uh, and it was, you know, being from South London, and I'm sure it's the same for you, but being from South London, I was like, yo, I can't have anyone from North London you know, being the guy everyone talk about, or we can't it's have, true. you know, when it, when it came to Rough and Ready, when I was young and I was watching, I was like, yo, it's going to be us soon. You know, so we were cheering for, you know, the, the older guys, like, yo, you can't, South can't lose to North. You know, you can't lose yes. to East, you got to win it, you know, and those are our superstars. So I want to go back to that time of it's missing now in the UK, you know, so I want to talk about the competition growing up and just the level of, 
I don't know how it was for you guys, but we looked at you guys as we, we can't let you guys be better than us. We we got to be better than you guys, you know? Man, that's that's a great point, man. So if you think about it, what's crazy for me, like, that kind of coincides with, like, how I started playing the game. So my older brother was, you know, my older brother Kojo just randomly started playing basketball. Uh, he you know, he played in Brixton, just to let people know. So I'm going to get there, bro. I'm going to get there. Okay, okay. there. No, nah, because they need so to know. Anxious. Trying to they claim to somebody from that, North London. No, nah, no, nah, they need to know that, you know, Pop. Oh, we're going to get to it because I see Matthew Riders on here and I, I have some stuff for him too. So, you had a lot of influence from the South, man. I'm just saying. No, he influenced the South. What do you mean? He left and came to us. He knew. He influenced anyway, the South. Anyway, we we'll brought to North we'll London to, we'll, to South. Nah, we'll get to that later. Kojo knows. We'll bring him on one day. Yeah, you know. for sure. So, right. so basically, so my brother, who I always looked up to when I was younger, he started, he randomly just started playing and then all of a sudden what's gone was just gone to the u.s and i was young i was probably 10 11 at the time i didn't know what was going on and um he tells and i find out he's playing basketball so that's where my 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 basketball experience kind of started so i remember i remember going my first basketball experience was it was a thing called wicb and some of them men who grew up playing basketball in, in south london um should know it it was we went to brixton rec and I remember seeing all these men from all these older men from South London and my brother and Jimmy. Mm. And I'm like, who's this guy with this funny accent? And you know, <laughs> Jimmy's got that, that Welsh accent. So I didn't know what was going on. So I'm just soaking this all in. I know nothing about the game. I know nothing about what's going on. I just know my older brother there who I look up to and I want to be like, and he's playing the sport. So immediately I was enamored with it. And I remember he leaves to go to the US and all of a sudden, my dad comes to me one day and it's like, it's, it's like a Wednesday afternoon and I'm just getting home from school and I'm sitting there watching TV and he's like, put your, put your sneakers on, put your trainers on and let's go. I'm thinking, what's, what's he talking about? So where are we going at this time? So I'm, I don't ask no questions, put my, my shoes on and we just drive to, to East London. We go to Hackney. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking in and I see the biggest person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> in Joe White, about six eight, six six eight, about 300 pounds. So he's like the most intimidating figure I've ever seen. And I was like, I'm looking at my dad like, what is this? What are we doing? And he just like, and Joe's like, go. They throw me into a, a three-man weave, and that was it. And that's how basketball started for me. Nah, that's crazy, man. <clears throat> you know, it's talking about your brother. You know, it was similar for me with uh, my older brother, Joe. You know, when... when um, when I ended up going to Brixton, at first, I didn't want to go. Um, like I said, Marco Deng was nice at football, man. It was proper. <laughs> this was serious. You know, it's Crystal Palace or Arsenal. You know, pick or choose. No, no, no. Let me stop. It's so funny. Are there any kids on here? It's so funny. Are there any kids on here? Because both teams are shit, mate. It doesn't matter. But anyway. They're in the Premier League. What are you talking about? Tottenham. Listen, Crystal Palace is probably going to win a title before Tottenham does. And you've yeah, been there the never. whole time. I don't even know. Tottenham been in the Premier League since when? I ain't know anything. Anyway, anyway. So look, my whole thing is, when it comes to football, yeah, I'm so arrogant. When it comes to basketball, I'm humble, innit? So <laughs> you know what's so, funny? No. That's exactly what it's like for me for track. And sorry to interrupt, but that's exactly how my approach. Like, I wasn't naturally gifted at basketball. I had to work to that. But when it came to track, I swear to you, that's the one sport I feel like I was put on this earth to play. But you know, it's you know what it is though. It's you know when you're younger. When you're younger, you were better than everyone. The same with me with football. So you have all this like record and trophies, and so you could back it up. You know, when you become a pro, you know there's other guys <laughs> over there are better than you. And what you did as a you know as a professional, so you're like you gotta let me step back a little bit before someone comes in. But listen, when it comes to Michael Deck, undefeated. But yeah, <laughs> now but um, so for me with my brother, it was the same. So. I didn't want to go to Brixton. I knew my brother was good at basketball, but I wanted to be a football player. And my brothers kept trying to tell me, come to Brixton, kept trying to force me, you know. So I just went. One day I just went. Um, I think I was about 11, and I went. Um, and I started playing. I started playing with the older guys, playing with my brother, with the juniors. And when I finished playing, Jimmy came over, and Jimmy started talking to my brother, but Jimmy was like talking to my brother because I was tall when I was young. So Jimmy was talking to my brother as if, you know, I'm 15 or 16. 
you know, or 14, whatever. So Jimmy's talking, and then my brother's like, yo, my brother's not even 12 yet. And, uh, and Jimmy's like, what? And he's like, he's not 12 yet. And, you know, everyone who knows Jimmy, Jimmy just switched everything as if I've been coming for years. Hey, man, this is Luol. He's going to be great. <laughs> was, was it Luol or Michael, though? He's like, huh? No, I was Michael then. I was Michael. He's uh. like, listen, you're coming in every day. This is practice. Um, and it just, slowly I started coming to Brixton and I started to feel the love. I started to feel that, you know, it was a community and what Jimmy's done and what Joe has done and what's missing now in London, I feel, is that type of community where when you walked in there, you knew those, your brothers and sisters. It was, you know, we're all down for each other. It didn't even matter. You know, I went to Brixton. It didn't matter who you, run, you ran into. They knew someone that played basketball. And it was a free pass for whatever you wanted to do. You know, mm -hmm. people looked out for each other. And everyone knew Jimmy. If you got in trouble, people went back to Jimmy. You know, and Jimmy and Joe, I'm sure the same thing. They put so much discipline that seeing that as a young kid, I just started drawing... You know, I started coming towards this side more, which is Brixton side, uh, instead of football. And then, you know, at 13, going to 14, I made up my mind that, you know, this is really what I wanted to do. But it took me, it took me a little while to actually say, you know what, basketball is it. That's, that's a good point you make. And it's funny because, you know, we'll get into more depth when talking about track and stuff like that over there. But when I was... Like like I said, I was running, I was I was playing football and running track, and it took me. I had to travel an hour to get from Tottenham to Hackney just to go to to, to practice. And again, I, like basketball was great, and um, it was a sport that I liked, but I didn't love it at a young age. And I remember what's crazy. Joe comes to me and is like, "Look, Joe was he was a PE teacher and a math teacher at Humpton Humpton." Um, hospital which is in Hackney so a lot of people didn't know that he used to give us homework so he comes to me one day and is like look if you're really serious about basketball do you um you'll you'll tell your parents you want to come to home and to home and high and it was an all boys school and at 12 13 I'm like nah man <laughs> I'm man's not moving like that I'm not I'm not going to an all boys school and I told I, I lied to him I told Joe that um, I went to my parents and they wanted me to go to a Catholic school. And I couldn't go to school all the way in Hackney. And like uh, maybe 10, 10 some odd years later, I remember that conversation. And it, um, man, it, it broke me down because I was like, man, if I was serious about basketball, imagine what would have happened had I gone to home and, and been around the game all the time. Because I stopped playing for a year because it was affecting me traveling an hour from from school, after school, messing around with my friends, and then getting the training late most of the time. And it was affecting my schoolwork and my homework. And my parents were not playing that. Yeah. I was, my parents were not playing uh, my grades being messed up for a sport that they, they didn't really know much about. Yeah. So my dad was like, I can't go. I can't go to training anymore. And I remember Joe coming to my house and like asking my dad what like what's going on and my dad told him and joe in front of my dad punches me in the chest he punches me in the chest and it's like yo what are you doing and immediately i got in line school track football basketball i had everything in order i did my school work because i knew it was going to affect me from playing and i wanted to and i wanted to please joe so i wanted to make sure that i did um everything in school that i had to do so that I could go training. And as I started to develop and get better, I was like, man, I may not be great at this sport yet, but I think there's a chance that I could, I, I, I know I love it. I know I love it. And when the first um, Rough and Ready, and I saw Kojo, my brother, playing in Rough and Ready, I was like, that was the pinnacle for me. That's where I wanted to go. I was like, when I see, if I'm able to get to the Rough and Ready stage, I've made it. Not even the NBA, not even Division One. Not even yeah. high school in the U.S. If I get yeah. to play on that rough and ready stage, yeah. then I know I've made it. Then I know I've, I've accomplished something. And that was my that was my that was my goal at a, at a young age. And you know, as an '83, we used to determine what age group you were by what year you were born. So as '83s, I wasn't even one of the better '83s in my um in my age group. Yeah. And remember, I told you Joe used to use um. 
Joe used to use uh, other players as inspiration. So you remember Mitchley, Richard Mitchley? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Mitchley at 13, 14 was the best 13, 14 year old I had ever nah, seen in my he, life. He was, cold, he was cold, bro. Yeah, he was, uh, 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 Joe was like, Oh, you guys think you're good? This guy—he had a hundred points in the game. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, I'm just learning how to make a left-handed layup, and this kid's over here, um, um, scoring a hundred points in the game. And so, like, I see guys like him. I see guys like yourself, Andrew Sullivan, Olu, you know, all those guys. Um, even Marcus. I mean, Mar I remember thinking about Marcus when I was young. Mark, yeah, got Marcus. Uh, <laughs> Marcus was that guy. I was like, yo, Mar yeah, he was serious at a young age. Yeah. I just remember seeing his play. And, um, you know, you know, I was like, look, I got to get to that rough and ready stage. Like, how do yeah. I do it? You know, the crazy thing is, and I, I want to go a little bit because there's so many things that happen, you know, throughout when we were in London that just changes your mindset. You know, I mm -hmm. always say that events that stick with you, uh, whether you're working out, whether, you know, when you go to the U.S. or whatever you're doing, something that happened that sticks with you that makes you want to push yourself. Because I know there's a lot of kids in the, in the U.K. that don't get the opportunity to hear this because we went through what they're going through uh, mm -hmm. now. You know what I mean? So for me, you know, the rough and ready and everything, and I always say in Brixton, Brixton, our practices were like the competition. You know, like we, we mm -hmm. went after each other. Jimmy made it a thing where we, if somebody messed up, we were all getting punished. If someone didn't touch the line, we were all crouching. We were going to the end and back. And you're learning those things at a young, you know, at a young age. Mm -hmm. For me, like you said, you know, Marcus, Lakin, Staff, all the guys that came from Lewisham and kind of joined Brixton, to me, you know, added a little, you know, uh, competitiveness and a little toughness to Brixton to our team and we even you know I'm not talking about the era before those guys you know Marva, Joe, Demola, Uganda, mm -hmm. those guys you know dominated we came in afterward and then when we got those guys we're like yo we just as we just had an edge to ourselves right but I remember for me we went up to Brighton I never forget this man because it was my turning uh, point for me and I was the youngest in the team uh, this was, you know, the finals or the semifinal. No, no, this was during the season. I'm sorry, because we met him later in the, in the semifinal. We beat him. Mm -hmm. But during the season, we got on the train and we took the train to Birmingham, like a long trip. But, you know, back in the days, we all rode together. And, that, you know, I wish I could bring those days back. But we went right. to Brighton and we lost by 55 points. Wow. Right. And I remember on the way back, this, I was... 12, 13, around that age. I remember on the way back on the train, I said, yo, this is never happening again. You know, like I just, I felt so embarrassed, but there was something that we felt like we failed. We felt like we let Jimmy down. And that was the changing point in me. And, and from then on, I worked so hard. But like what you said earlier, for it to be rough already was your kind of the ceiling. For me, it was ain't nobody in the UK, nobody is going to mess with us anymore. Like, I, I'm, I'm just going to be as good as I could be so we could beat everyone. That was, like, my main thing. And then I came back to Rough and Ready. I remember Matthew, Matthew working everything to get me back to Rough and Ready. Shout out and to I, Matthew Ryder. Yeah, Matthew Ryder, man. Did so much for us. But I remember, I remember coming back, uh, and I was like, yo, I'm going to make sure everyone is talking about Brixton and South London. I don't care what go put on a show. I, that whole year uh, after our season finished in high school at Blair, I was working every day with nothing on my mind but Rough and Ready. That's I was crazy. coming back for Rough and Ready to let people know. And to me, that's where everything changed. You know, and, and I always say this to people. There's got to be events in your life that at the time it seemed so bad, but that's actually when you come back later is what made you. You know, so for you, what was that event back, you know, back in, before you left to the U.S.? Yeah, like I said, I think that event for me was was, was rough and ready because it was like our version of the All-American game or just like if you're recognized by your peers and everybody else as one of the better players, then that's that's like a step in the right direction. And I wasn't even one of the better players on in my age group, let alone on my team. And, you know, I remember seeing – you know, my brother uh, at Rough and Ready. And I remember him, and I, I know you can tell this story too, but I remember him, something happened and he was like, 
next play, I'm going to come down and I'm going to dunk it. And I'm like, I had never seen anybody do anything like that before. And I mind you, I'm still in awe because I'm seeing my brother in this element that I had never seen him before and watching him perform and be the, the guy that people are talking about. So he's, he says, I'm, watch what I do next. Comes down, makes a move, and just dunks over everybody. And the crowd goes insane. And I'm like, yo, they're reacting like this to my brother. This is in London. This is in London. Like, you have to understand, rough and ready, like, even when I first moved to the U.S., like, that was on my mind, too. Rough and ready was, was, was the way for me. Like, I was like, forget being All-State, forget being All-American. I want to go back to London where I left a certain way, and I want to come back and, and show people that I've put in work and that I've been able to achieve something, and I'm better. And that's when you get the respect. Like, I didn't want respect from from colleges or respect from coaches in the U.S. I wanted the respect of my peers and the people I grew up with in London. And I just remember telling myself, like, you got to get to that rough and ready stage. You have to get to the rough and ready stage. And it was funny, and Matthew can attest to this, this is, um, I think you're getting ready to go to Duke, and um, it's my freshman year at GW. And not to go too far into the next episode, but I remember coming back, and I landed on, like, a Thursday or Friday. The Friday, you know, we always used to fly back for Rough and Ready the night before. So I flew back the Friday, and meeting up with Andrew, um, Andrew Olu, and a couple other people. And, and Andrew was pissed about something. I'm like, yo, what's wrong? And he's like, Luau is um, either going to miss his flight or not going to make it. And they want you to play for South London, for South. And you were so like, happy. What? And mind nah, you, nah, you were my so brother happy. played for South, and yes, I played you for Hackney. Nah, huh? you were so happy inside. Bro. You were probably like, man, I can't wait to nah. represent South London. What? Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I Matthew, and the point Matthew make was a legitimate one. But as a kid, I wasn't buying it. I remember... Um, uh, I remember him saying, "Look, Luau's not here. Your brother's from your brother played for for Brixton, and you you filling in for South London is, is going to be, you know, a good just a good makeup." And I was like, "But it's all about where you're from, and if South London doesn't have all the players that we have, that's not my fault, bro. That's on you, man." <laughs> but South London, if we go down player for player, South London, you know, got all the best players from England. Whoa, but, whoa, whoa! But we're not whoa, gonna go. Whoa, this whoa, is not for this episode. It's not whoa, for this episode. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I want whoa, you to go whoa, and do whoa, your whoa. research. Put the names together for next time. This the is names. Not for this research. But look, let's talk about the jersey, though. You probably you should wear it on the next episode, but you probably have a frame hung, hanging up somewhere. What now. my rough and ready jersey? The South one, though. The South one. No, I never did it. So this is what I told, I told Matthew oh, wait, and Andrew. And this is what I was like, yo, yes, Andrew. Andrew was like, there's no way. If Pups plays for South, nobody's playing. Ask, ask, ask Matthew if he says, if, 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 if Sully said this. Sully was like, if Pups plays for South, then nobody's playing. But see, see, that's I was what like I mean. 18, 19 at the time. Who was I going to say something? I was just excited to be on that, on, in, in that atmosphere and be in that element. And I remember Sully saying that, and, and, and Matthew was pissed. He was like, you guys are not going to make it competitive. And, you know, it was the first year um, after Joe had passed. So it was like, there's no way I'm, um, I can play for South, especially after the year, year after Joe passed. Okay, yeah, I see um, that. I'm skipping a year, though, because I forgot about playing in the under-19s game. And it's funny you know, dunks are worth three points. And I remember what my brother did. And talking to one of my close friends, one of my best friends, who was one of the best players I had seen at the time, Trevor, Trevor Huston, I was like, watch this. And I came down and did something. And like, I dunked it like two or three times in a row. And that's the first time that that was a turning point for me to be like, wow, like, I was able to will myself to do something on this stage maybe i have a chance to do something special so that was another like rough and ready and performing not only making it to rough and ready but performing on that level too was another was a turning point for me in my career yeah let's talk let i want to switch a little bit i want to talk about just the you know because I, I i i want people to know just your mindset uh, and my mindset right before going. Uh, to I'm the sorry. US. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just saw something where someone said Chisel had the most bounce in in, in London. Period. Maybe in South London. Chisel. So you're you're taking it back to first of all. First of all, Chisel Chisel was the best athlete 
in 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 our team, right? So I don't doubt. And nobody it. knows I'm, it. That shows you how good athletes. That's why my brother had to go to South London. What you mean nobody you knows it? Have you have no athletes there. You were gone by then. This is Chisel. This how is, old is Justin. Chisel, Justin. This is when they keep. This is their turn. Oh, you that's, were, that's, you, the, that's, you, that's the young brothers. That's the, that's nah, the, you were in uh, Hunt School by that time. That's, but we'll that's, come that's back. the young brothers. We'll, we'll come back. We'll come back now. But uh, now nah, I really I want people. I, I want us to talk a little bit about because the mindset of you're going to the U.S. You're about to go to high school in the U.S. And we both know we had. Uh, you know, Jimmy and Joe, we had, you know, Brixton and Hatney, but what, it, it was still hard for us to get court time. It, it, it was really hard to, you know, to find a place to, to work out because, you know, we had practices. That's the only time you could get on the court. You, you know, had a hard time working on your game and just getting in gyms. Uh, I remember so many gyms that wouldn't let us in because they had to let badminton um or handball or whatever is going on and we had to just take a train to another gym and another gym and wait outside some days we just wait and then you couldn't get in so and there's still you know a lot of kids that are dealing with that so i just wanted you to share a little bit what was how were you going around that you know what's the way to go around that and how were you keeping up with working on your game and everything Man, it's interesting, man. When we wasn't, when we was back, when I came back home, it was, um, I, I didn't really know anything about drills and working on your game and stuff like that until I moved to the U.S. I never understood that or, or knew what uh, kind of work you had to put in to get better. I just thought if I went to training consistently, I would get better. So that's all I had. And I remember that the point you're making, I remember when we both came back in the summer one time, we there was no gym access we couldn't do anything so we had to go um i remember i had to take the victoria line all the way to brixton um so that we could sneak in so that we could sneak into the brixton wreck to yeah. play and i knew again in regards to you at that point i knew you was gonna you definitely had a chance to go to a major division one school and had a, a chance also to make it to the nba so I was like, look, if I can get some individual court time with this guy and see where my see if I can compete with him, compete with you on this level, then I'll I'll, I'll do the rest. If and so when we got there, I was nervous because it was going to be the first time you and I were going to work out together and against each other on a, on an individual basis. So I'm like, man, is he's either going to show me that. I'm not on this level and I can't compete or I'm going to find out something about myself that I never knew before today. So the whole time we're at Brixton Rec and it was dark. Remember that? We, we, mm. we snuck into Brixton Rec. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon and it was dark in the gym. And I remember just like, I was like, so what do you do when you come in the gym by yourself? He was like, well, I wake up at, um, I wake up at six o'clock in the morning at Blair and I go full court by myself. And I'm like, yo, this guy's mad. But I'm thinking, look, this is how you have to think if you want to yeah. get to that level. So I was like, let's do it. So I was just following everything you were doing, following everything you were doing, just anticipating when it was time to compete, whether it was shooting drills, ball handling drills, or just playing one-on-one. -on -one. And I remember we was we were playing one-on-one -on -one and going back and forth. And I'm like, man, like I know at least defensively, I can compete with, I can guard this guy. I can compete with him. But he's like making, and like you're making like these extra moves. I'm thinking I'm playing good defense, then you'll make another move and hit a shot. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is next level. So I'm looking at, and I'm really looking at you as a barometer and thinking like, yo, everything this guy is doing, can I add this to my game or can I, can I build on that? Because this is what I need to do. So we worked out a couple times and played, then we played against each other in Hosanna um later that night and we we competed against each other too and i was like look he brings a different level of competition and work ethic to the game if i'm just able to emulate that it's over and that's when i kind of knew and i was only going into my sophomore year at gw so i knew that there's going to be opportunities to come yeah my path is not going to allow me to go um to go to, to the league after my sophomore year or freshman year. But I know if I continue to develop in due time, that chance is going to come.
Yeah. You know, for me, I, and I always, uh, I always tell uh, my kids this at camps. Um, you have to, with, with all the challenges and everything in London, you have to find a way to be creative in your hard work, you know, because uh, a lot of people would, would tell you they work hard. Uh, but that definition really depends on who you're talking to and who's doing it, right? So for me, I found myself in, in a situation where at a young age, everyone was talking about, you know, Michael Deng or Luol Deng or how good, how good I was already. So I always felt the fear of I can't let these people down. People are speaking so highly of me. And it, and it wasn't until when I was at Brixton, I was playing with the juniors. I was playing with the men. I was still good, but... I wasn't as good as I was later on, right? So every day, even though I'm going home and I'm like, you know, so-and-so just destroyed me today, you know, whether it was Marcus, it was Stafford, it was Lakin, it was Sean, it was whoever, right? So I took that to heart. I didn't care how old any, anyone was. So I kept pushing myself to be better than that person the next day, not later on, like, okay, I'm younger than them. Let me wait till later on. I just wanted to be better than them the next day. Then the next day I'll see after practice, so-and-so is doing sit-ups or push-ups or whatever. So I'm like, man, I got to do that. So I started to figure out how do I get to do that without them seeing me, right? So my biggest secret was I got to wake up at 6 in the morning and work out and come in later on in the day for practices and nobody knows that I did that. You know, it, it was my own little secret thing. So people were like, yo, his jump shot is nice or he could dribble. And they're like, you know, I'm only doing it at practice, but nobody knows I'm by myself doing it as much as I can just to be ahead of you, right? So I'm doing that every day and I'm trying to catch up to these guys, but they're older than me. You know, they're still better than me. They're older than me, but I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Not till Jimmy let me play with the England team. And this was, obviously I'm 85. I think I played with the 83 with the England team. Um, and we went up to some tournament. Uh, I went to the tournament, and I kid you not, I, you know, I was averaging almost 45, 50 points in the tournament with crazy numbers. I came back, and that was the closest I ever played with, you know, um, a group of guys that are almost my age, but they're still older, you know. And that's when it hit me, like, yo, I think I got a chance, you know. And then I was like, okay, it's a year to go, and I go to the U.S. And I started looking, and I'm like, okay, here I have an older brother who probably one of the best things to ever come out of England, but he's the best high school player in the U.S. right now. He's in, you know, Sport Illustrated. Everyone is talking about him. So I'm like, okay, I got to come ready when I go to the U.S., you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm working, I'm working. I, I get to the U.S., and that's the story that, you know, we're going to share next time. But this is what was driving me to, to, you know, to push myself every day. So my message to all these young guys, honestly, is, what you have is what you have. You have to find ways to be creative. And now that I look back, and especially with what we're doing, you and I, and traveling to Africa and seeing, you know, what's available and what's not there, you look back at the UK and you're like, yo, I got outdoor courts that are nice. Um, you know, you, what are you really complaining about? You know, you come back to camp and I have some kids and I have to sit down with them and, and be like, listen, you have no idea. You know, you, you're taking the bus to practice. Some of these kids are walking, running. Some of these kids are borrowing their older brother's shoes or their dad's shoes to come to my drills, you know, or come to my camp. Here you are, you know, get your head to that next level where you realize and just be thankful for the level that you have. Stop comparing, you know, what you don't have to what you have. And, you know, and I try to tell them that, to teach them that, you know, deal deal with it, work work, work harder than anyone else, but hard work ain't the same for everyone you know your level of hard work is different for the next person you got to create your own hard work you know yeah yeah that's that's definitely true because um man it's funny like i said i used to have to travel at like 45 minutes to an hour on the bus so it's like deep in north london to the other side of east to, to hackney east london and um I remember my brother told me once, and I, trust me, I don't know how this is possible, but he does did it, and I know he's on the chat. This guy told me he rode a bike from our front door in Tottenham to Brixton. To Brixton. You know, I believe it. I'm gonna tell no, you. A story I, look, about I believe that's it. what I'm. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I, I'll never forget. I don't know the 
uh, and sorry to interrupt you, but this is no, a story I tell. I tell this story to Koja every time I see him, every single time. I remember going back to uh, Rough and Ready. As soon as I walked in, I saw this guy jump from almost the free throw line. And I know people think I'm exaggerating. I opened the door as soon as I walked in the Rough and Ready, and I just saw him like this, just flying at me, right? And after he dumped it, he just landed and looked looked at the door, and, just, and that image is forever with me. So, yeah. listen, I this don't doubt said that. He, did that. he rode the bike to, to Brixton for five straight weeks. Oh. It, it, takes, it takes 45 minutes on the train. On a train that doesn't run into traffic, that doesn't get any, any delays, or it does now because it's, it's the two. But he rode there to the other side of London. So I heard that, right? Yeah. Um, I heard that, and then I was like, you know what? If I want to be like my brother, and if I want to jump like him and dunk on people like him, I guess I have to do it. So I started doing it. And I remember he bought me a bike, and I started coming home from school early. This when I really started taking basketball serious and riding my bike from my door to Hackney. And it was like springtime, right around this time, in the middle of like April, May. We're going to training, and I'm riding the bike from training. And I remember my brother bought me these Kobe's. Kobe's were the first pair of basketball sneakers I ever had, Adidas. And he brought me these Air Force Ones. And I remember Joe, who, um, we got to speak about Joe and Jimmy too. Um, I remember Joe was forcing us out to the gym because we, the gym time was scarce. And I think like a volleyball team or a netball team was coming on after us and Joe had to get us out of the gym. So I'm, I, I have one Kobe on and one Air Force One on, on my bike. I'm like, man, whatever. So I just start riding my bike. It's, it's like 6.30, 7 o'clock, and it's still nice outside. And I'm riding it, and my boy who's with me is a little bit ahead of me, Ken. I mean, uh, I, I, I can And he's like a group of like five or six dudes. Stop him. And I pull up, and he points at me. So the guy, like the dude comes up to me, and they kind of surround me. And mind you, I'm from Tottenham. So I'm trying to figure out what is going on and why they're talking. And the dude asked me, is my name Michael? Got no 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 relevance towards you, but he's like. Wait wait what what, what 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 was this Brixton? This was in no 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 no. Oh, this I'm was about in, to this say was, nah, you would have got a pass, man. No 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 no. It's it's it gets yeah, better. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> this was in it's in Hackerston, right right after Stoke Newton in Hackney, and I remember he asked me this this next question. He asked me, and as I answered it, I was like, idiot. He asked me where I was from. And I was like, from Tottenham, bro. Oh, and as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, no. When I tell you this skinny dude from behind the group comes out of nowhere with what looked like a Rambo knife and just swung it at me, man, I picked up the bike. And it had to be out of a movie. I picked up the bike, and I just started sprinting with the wheels down. I started sprinting, and I jumped. And both my feet landed on the pedal. And I just go, I'm going. I, did, I, I probably lost them like two blocks away, but I rode for like 20 minutes straight without looking back. And that's the kind of things we had to go through, I had to go through to go to the other side of London just to play basketball. So when you said, when you when we try to tell kids like, you know, I always used to laugh at older people when they'd be like, oh, if you knew what we went through during my day and this, that, and the third. But that, those things are true. Like when, when, when we tell people that my brother rode from, it seems like 30 miles, but it's only like 10, 15 miles from Brixton to, to Tottenham. Like, he really did that. He really did that. And the things people go through to try and make it and to get to these, these um, to get to a certain point, like, people have to grasp and understand these kind of things. And I think wanting to be great and the inspiration that I got from Joe, who, um, you know, again, I, I wanted his approval. So when I left... And people were, like, kind of perplexed or confused as to why I got the opportunity to go to the U.S. I always tell people, when I came over here, I didn't come to the U.S. to play basketball. Yes, I played, but basketball wasn't my path. I was just going to school. Like, I really thought, like, track was going to be my way to go. So when, it, when, when the opportunity came from, you know, granted by my cousin Eugene and my brother Kojo, when it came that I was going to play basketball, I was like, Wow. This is this is bigger than what I ever thought, and I don't know. I have to succeed, like you said. I have to show the mandem in South London what I'm doing. 
So I knew that I was playing for something bigger than basketball. I was playing for my family. I was playing for people coming after me. I was playing for Tottenham, for Hackney, for Joe. And I felt like I always had to represent when I stepped on the floor. Yeah. You know, we've been, we've been on this for a minute. So before, before we get off, mm -hmm. it's funny you said that story because it, it takes me back to, um, I remember back when I was, uh, before I left, um, I remember Jimmy gave me this weight vest. Uh, it was a Bloody green. Sheldon just signed on. Sheldon signed on, the guy who ended my college career. Well, what a way to end this with Sheldon signing on. What happened? Sheldon Williams from Duke just signed Hey, up. that's the landlord, man. You know what it is. That's, that's that man well, carrying us to the Final Four. That's, I don't that's, got that's, the ring Nah, I'm forever thankful to him for my ring. Listen, <laughs> that man carried us to the Final Four. That's crazy. But, uh, uh, no, uh, you know, Jimmy Jimmy gave uh, a weight vest. And I remember I, I, I didn't want to wear that weight vest. I was like, man, you know, like Jimmy used to just say, you're skinny. You know, like you're soft. You got to get stronger. Here's a weight vest. You know, wear this. Mm -hmm. used to make me wear it to practice and then just started making me wear it at home. It wasn't until one day I decided to wear it under my school shirt. Right? I wore it under my <laughs> you school wear shirt. under your school shirt? Bruh, I used to wear it all day. I wore it under my school shirt. I buttoned up my shirt, right? Go put my tie on. I go up to St. Mary's, right? And I remember, I remember one of the, the kids were like, yo, Michael was buff, you know? Like, yo, you know, Thomas. I was like, yo, I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing this from now on, man. And it turned out, you know, it helped me. It helped me so much the rest of my career. But I was really wearing it because I was just, you know, in a playground, you know, when it's lunchtime. And I, I'm not going to talk back about what Michael Deng used to do at lunchtime. But, <laughs> bro, life changed, man, you know. <laughs> so, so, you know, so just taking that, man, just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that we're talking about turning, you know, certain things into positive and, it's it's really it's huge to let you know kids know today that sometimes what you're going through is a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know it might be tough at the time, but you got to do your best to get through it. But it's 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 really a good thing, and this is why we want to do this. This is why we want to you know do the five episodes because there's so much to talk about and so many people to connect to. You know I right. think you know we just touching one base and people that are connected with us and we spoke a lot about London, but. There's so much into coming to high school uh, that we got to talk about in the future. There's so much about the college recruiting. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.